Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I talk with Caroline, who's worked as a researcher, strategist and project manager in a variety of corporate settings. She poses an age-old question, is it our thinking that triggers emotional reactions or is it our emotions that trigger negative thinking? Hope you enjoyed this episode. curious to hear your thoughts on feeling or emotion and thought and what comes first. Like when we feel sadness, if our feeling of sadness prompts that thought, or if we have a thought that creates that sensation in the body and kind of a follow-up question to that is when we know that we're sad, sometimes intellectually we can say, oh, it'll be okay. And intellectually, we can almost move on, but we still feel that sensation in the body and the body takes a little bit longer to catch up. And how can we tend to ourselves in that moment in just honoring the feeling and taking care of ourselves in that moment? Hmm. I wrote a whole book about this. It's Thank called you. The Golden Sequence. Yeah. It's a fascinating question you ask. And you know, it'll be a real challenge to answer it concisely in 20 minutes, but here we go. We've biologically evolved over 1.8 million years. And what we understand about our biological evolution is that it happens very, very, very slow. <laughs> and what we're starting to realize is that despite our biological evolution taking its merry old time, our mind can evolve very, very, very quickly. And I'd like to propose that one of the, the great challenges for humanity is reconciling this disparity in speed of growth and evolution. And as an example of that, you know, about 12,000 years ago, we invented agriculture and we no longer lived in tribes Rather, we, we just grew our own food and fend for ourselves. The way we lived was very, very different. Yet biologically, the way in which we would respond to life and demands was as if we were hunters and gatherers. Now, we fast forward 12,000 years to this modern era, which is a far cry from even our sort of early agricultural days and specifically our tribal way of life. We biologically are required to belong to a tribe and to feel our sense of purpose based on the needs of the tribe. This is how we're biologically hardwired. And to participate and to contribute to the tribe as a means of us feeling safe and well. This is a very kind of crude overview of the implications of what is referred to as evolutionary mismatch or maladaptation. As a result of us over the last 12,000 years evolving psychologically so fast and yet our biology dragging so far behind, we've created an immense disparity in our relationship to ourselves and 
each other and the natural world, that it has caused what is known as this evolutionary trap. And basically what it stipulates is that any organism or species that has biologically evolved in a certain set of conditions for a period of time, when removed from those conditions, struggles <laughs> to function. And as a result, uh, the, the, the new imposed conditions cause immense pressure and stress that it starts to maladapt and um, become ill. And there is, you know, plenty of scientific evidence now to suggest that that is actually what's going on with us humans is that, you know, we evolved so quickly in the last 12,000 years that we, we lost touch with where we biologically, sorry, that we advanced psychologically, you know, in terms of our innovation and creation and what we felt like we required to be expressive of who we are beyond our biology, um, that we became so far removed from where our biology was at or is at. And the result of that is this perpetual sense of being in an environment that we cannot adapt to. Well, actually, it's not a sense, it's a reality. We find it almost impossible to meaningfully adapt biologically to the world that we've created from the world that we evolved in, which was that we all belonged. We were very much connected to the, the land, nature, the cycles of the seasons, everything. Our survival depended on all of that. Now, when we don't have that kind of connection, we immediately feel like we're in danger. And it triggers that fight-or-flight response, that, that survival mode. We freak out. And despite all the, the mod cons that we can surround ourselves with, you know, I know some of the wealthiest people in the world, and they are not exempt. <laughs> they can have all the things that you could ever imagine that you think would provide you with a sense of security and safety. No. <laughs> Everybody biologically is trapped in this condition. And so why have I shared all of this based on your question? You know, does the mind lead the body or does the body lead the mind? I can't give you an absolute definitive answer to that question. I would say, I would suggest that they happen in symphony or in discord simultaneously. The mind is influencing the body and the body is influencing the mind. According to the um, ancient wisdom traditions that were concerned with understanding what is primary, is it mind or body? The general consensus is that the mind is primary. And so at some point, the mind started the relationship to the body. The mind was the first thing that started the, 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 the show, the story, the narrative, and then the body responded. And the way that the body responded then influenced the mind. And then the mind responded and influenced the body. And, you know, they've been bouncing off each other. If we can understand that the mind comes first and then the body comes second, 
we are placed in a position of power, whereby we can allow our will to be expressed through our mind to declare to our body that I understand that you are in an environment that is foreign to you and that you, body, are finding it difficult to adapt to this modern life and that I understand that the feelings that you are feeling that can sometimes overwhelm me and overwhelm my mind and cause me to create dangers that just aren't real. Although I recognize that this is happening, I accept that this is happening. I choose not to buy into the drama of your maladaptation body. We're talking to the body here. I'm choosing not to buy into the drama and I recognize that all you really need is time out, some rest time, recovery, connection with nature, connection with friends to belong, some time belonging to family, community. When you have those things, I know you feel so much better. So I, being the true self, am going to provide circumstances whereby you can get sufficient rest, meditation, <laughs> early night sleep. You can have the food that you need, eating fresh, healthy food. And I'm going to eat that surrounded by people that we love, family, community, belonging to the tribe. And I'm going to do this regularly. And what I found in prescribing this to people that are experiencing heightened states of anxiety that are really grappling with trying to understand why in their mind they're okay, but their body, the emotions, the feelings that they have are just like a, it's a constant battle to negate the, 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 the emotions overtaking the mind. It's, it's such a, a tough battle that nearly everybody's experiencing. I say, just, just do these simple things. Meditate regularly. Be in communication with yourself. Expose yourself to natural environments. Allow your senses to absorb, penetrate into the, 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 the subtlest of things. The way that a, a dewdrop can reflect the, the, the light of the, of the rising sun. Can you keep your attention on that beautiful glisten that's just coming out of that dewdrop and try and comprehend at the same time that what you're seeing is this mass of fire that's so far away from us that's giving life to absolutely everything on the planet. Just connect with that for a second. Try and comprehend it and allow the mind and body to just go, ah, I belong to the natural world <laughs> as opposed to you know, Instagram, just a little break from that. It just, and then spend time with friends sharing about things that are going on that aren't about the drama. They're about you identifying the drama and overcoming it. Big distinction there, because when we spend time with friends, sometimes we can ruminate in that which is toxic. We retox instead of detox. <laughs> When we're with friends that we know we can connect with, celebrate the things that you know, not the things that you're confused about. 
and that you're annoyed about. Just indulge in what you love and allow the community and the connection within the community to be about the nurturing and the supporting of what it is that you truly need, each of you, all of you, and be a reliable source of that to everybody that you interact with. And that will beget the reciprocity. It, it, it creates momentum. If you become a reliable source, then they want to be that for you. It's not rocket science to alleviate. I'm not saying it absolutely dissolves our condition of maladaptation. I don't quite know how we're going to resolve that anytime soon, but we can alleviate the pressure that we're feeling here in these modern times to the degree that we can access the truth of who we are sufficiently, stabilize that as the foundation of who we are, act from that place and begin innovating and creating a world that is more reflective of what we need. When we're disconnected, we're just following like sheep, participating in a world of madness that's just about generating profit and power. Generally, not yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. If we can break that cycle by reclaiming our power to nurture ourselves and nurture each other, there's no greater act of revolution here in the world. None. This mm. is the most powerful thing we can be doing. So I know I kind of went off track a little bit with answering your question, but I, I think it's important that we did. So surrender into the body sensations. Listen to what your body's saying. Nurture it. Give it what it needs. We need to stop torturing ourselves and punishing ourselves for not feeling good. Mm -hmm. That's not how we make ourselves feel good. Mm -hmm. When we feel bad, we feel guilty about the fact that we feel bad. Or we feel ashamed about the fact that we feel bad. And then we beat ourselves up for it. It's madness. We've got to break that cycle. Mm -hmm. So mind can lead the body. Through our will, we can lead the body. We have to choose, though. And that happens in the mind, making that choice. Choose to look after yourself, meditate, eat well, exercise, hang out with friends, take time out, connect with nature. If you did that regularly, things would just be on the up and up. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Thank Great. you. Great. I've been on and off of um, SSRIs for the past 10 plus years for anxiety. And, um, and I'm now with meditation learning how to ride out those emotions and not immediately jump to wanting to pacify them in some way and um, and feeling bad about feeling stressed or feeling sad or feeling anxious and it's a new it's a new experience to really start to connect to um, what I really need in that moment and and usually that's just slowing down and not speeding up and not overthinking or not overdoing to fix that feeling but just being present and how I'm feeling and just accepting that wave for the moment and learning how to um, just nurture myself and take care of myself in a different way. And meditation has changed that for me completely. Mm. Beautiful. And hopefully so many people that are listening to this podcast will get inspiration from that from you. Thanks for so. sharing that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
It's really important to be reminded of the fact that we are neither our thoughts nor our feelings. These are experiences that are happening through us and to us, but they are not who we are. Who and what we are is a state of awareness that is capable of witnessing these experiences. And as such, we don't have to be identified with them and get caught up in them. The beautiful thing about meditation is it cultivates that level of awareness that enables us to witness our thoughts and feelings coming and going and not participate in them in any way that dictates or dominates our behavior. So I really encourage you to lean into that choice that you have in any given moment when you feel overwhelmed by your thoughts and feelings to surrender into that witness that is always there. And to remember that meditation is the greatest thing that you can do to cultivate that capability. Special thanks to our show producers, Trevor Exter and Sean Tomlin. Music by Ali. Special thanks to Andrea Stern for allowing us to record all of our sessions in her beautiful studio. And to all the One Giant Mind team. Thank you for listening and being a part of One Giant Mind. If you don't already and you're interested in learning to meditate, an easy free way is to download the One Giant Mind Learn Meditation mobile app on iTunes or Google Play. The best way to learn, however, is from a teacher. And if you're interested in learning the One Giant Mind technique, email us at teachers at onegiantmind.com and we'll help you find a teacher in your area. If you're a passionate meditator and the idea of becoming a teacher is something that inspires you, consider becoming certified with the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program that I've developed. The certification program is 100% online and can be done on your smartphone, laptop or tablet anywhere in the world. Teaching can be one of the most fulfilling experiences because you're having such a meaningful impact in people's lives. If you're interested in enrolling and would like to receive a special discount, email teachers at onegiantmind.com and mention the One Giant Mind podcast to get a great discount. Finally, if you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends and give us a review because it improves our rankings and helps others find this podcast. And I really hope you can join us for the next episode.